Yo, what's happening, guys? Brand new Eastman's Elevated solo episode. So I thought I'd get on here and catch you guys up about uh, my elk season and uh, mule deer hunting, and uh, we'll just see where the conversation goes. Conversation, heck, it's um, more <laughs> it's solo. It's just me. Uh, so I guess uh, we'll see where this therapy session goes, but try to get you guys some uh, good information for the rest of season here and uh, hopefully some good hunting stories along the way. So just want to thank my sponsors real quick. So I want to thank all my sponsors. Uh, they really stand behind the podcast and pay for my time to be able to put these out each and every week and uh, put full effort into it. So uh, thanks a bunch to these guys. If you're in the market for any of the gear they sell, uh, make sure to check them out. Just, uh, just top end. Uh, the best stuff in the market, and i um, super impressed with them. So thanks to Mountain Archery Fest, Everly Stock, Matthews, thanks to Savage, Six Sour Optics, Sportsman's Warehouse, Zamberlin Boots, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Cutter Stabilizers, High Mountain Seasonings, Onyx Maps, and Swagger Bite Pods. Um... Also, thanks to Eastman's and uh, everything they do for the podcast. Uh, you can check out both magazines, uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, get a promo code if you punch in Elevated321, both magazines for $50. Just, uh, gosh, I don't know how I missed it. It's just hunting season here, but the last Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, uh, my buddy Dylan Ness had an article in there, that great big bull he killed last year. Uh, did a great job writing that, but I just really enjoy the subscriber stories. Uh, I had another guy send me a, a story last night to kind of proofread, so I'll read that. And um, yeah, I really enjoy the stories in there, really enjoy the staff articles. I was looking through that magazine Dylan was in, and uh, Dan Picard had a couple articles in that one. Uh, one on calling elk, and then another one on finding elk. And um, that guy's such a great elk hunter, uh, just have a ton of respect for him, and uh, really well-written articles, so... Uh, just a bunch of good content in there to help make you guys better Western hunters. Uh, also, make sure to check out the YouTube, Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube, and uh, also Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. All right, with that, man, um, late October here, uh, uh, just uh, getting into muley season here, wrapped up elk season. What an elk season, man. Um, you know, I, I've just, I've realized that... Um, you know, these seasons, uh, it, it it doesn't go as scripted or it doesn't go as planned. Like, there's always going to be challenges. You know, I'm just never sure what they're going to be. And sometimes they're mental challenges like that Colorado buck and missing that thing. You know, just putting my heart and soul into that hunt, that high country hunt. and um, Really tailing that buck and hunting that buck smart, making the right moves, and then um, duffing that shot. And I've already, I've already talked about that and hashed it out. And um, time heals all, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, it's it's just not a perfect game. And you wouldn't imagine like the good hunters that send me messages, uh, uh, all types of hunters, um, uh, from beginners to the most experienced that send me a message and go, hey. I missed a buck this year too, or hey, I had this happen to me this year too, you know, don't beat yourself up or uh, whatever the case is. But it, it just makes me realize that that all of us uh, bow hunters will fail no matter how hard we work. Like it's a, uh, it's a prerequisite. Like, um, you know, uh, failures are the, the building blocks to success and we lose, we learn far more from our failures than we do our successes. And so it's just part of the journey, but it's tough when it means so much to you. You work so hard at it 
and, and you just, you know, I pride myself on being clutching those shots and making those shots. I pride myself at making good stocks and being a good bow hunter, but it's just not a perfect world. It's so difficult that you're going to come up against failure, you know, and the, the only option you have is to dust yourself off and get back on the horse and and uh, keep putting forth effort like uh, effort just seems to pay off in the end and you know once it is the off season or even during season it's it's putting in that work like um the enjoyment of bow hunting um you know like I can't get too tied to the success of bow hunting like that can't be what drives me like um you know, you know, that's what we all want. That's what we're all striving for. I mean, I guess it is what drives me in the off season that I think about success, but really like I, I just need to enjoy the process and enjoy the journey, enjoy the adventure. Like we're all just clicking off years, like we're all getting older, you know, and if the only time I'm enjoying hunting is when I'm successful, then I'm, you know, it, it, it's not the, I'm not in it for the right reasons, you know, and sure, I enjoy the success and I enjoy, you know, being on the top of the mountain and arrowing a good critter, but really, uh, I enjoy the entire process. I enjoy the adventure. I'm so fortunate to be able to get the time to go have these, um, these wild adventures where life isn't nerfed, you know, there's no seatbelts, I uh, can't turn the, the water in on the tap, like, uh, you're just self-reliant, you know, and, and, and able to go out there and really push myself mentally and physically, and it, it's tough to put yourself in these uncomfortable situations, but I thrive in them, and I, I like them, you know, it goes back to, to my wrestling days that, that taught me to like this hard work, and, uh, like putting effort in anything worth having, it's going to take effort. It's not going to come easy. And, and it's it's probably not going to come when you expect it either, you know. So uh, what do I need to do? Uh, put my nose back to the grindstone and um, continue to improve as a boat hunter, continue to get better, and, and success will come. Um, you know, you put in the work and success will come. Absolutely, 100%. So uh, after that Colorado miss, uh, you know, I be lying if I said I wasn't down a little bit, but just had to get back at it and get back after my elk season. So started elk hunting. Um, I drew a tag in Idaho. Uh, it, it wasn't the the tag that that I like that I've been hunting the last couple of years and killed a couple good bulls at. Uh, it was a a new unit for me, so um, had to dive into that unit. Did some um, good e scouting. Um, I think my downfall in that unit was just not having enough time, like trying to squeeze it into such a short window. And um, it's another lesson for me as well, as I I love barning construction, and I'm really fortunate to make a living in Ennis, Montana. And um, I, I enjoy the day in, day out, the the challenges of it, and building these homes and uh, working for good clients, and, and I enjoy it. But sometimes I take on a little too much, and sometimes I think I can, uh, you know, leave my business partner with things or leave my crew with things. And, um, I really need to be present and be there. And so, you know, it's tough to be gone when I've got three houses going, you know? So, uh, that, you know, not that it put a damper on my season, but it definitely put a damper on my time. And so, um, I've got to continue to figure it out through Barney construction to make sure that I've got the, the time that, that feeds my soul, you know, to be able to go all in on bow hunting and, you know, Eastman's, you know, we need bow hunting videos this year. And so, 
you know, they're they're sending me with a cameraman here and there. And, oh, man, a cameraman. Um, it's love-hate for sure. Uh, I have really good guys that come with me. It's just getting two people into range is such an added degree of difficulty. And sometimes I just feel like bow hunting and I get frustrated. But, uh, you know, the, the, the deal is, is Eastman's believes in me and needs bow hunting films. And, and for me to fill bow hunting tags, I need time on my side. And so, you know, we're all limited on time. I think time is the the most precious commodity, especially as we get older. We put so much effort into our work, you know, whether it's five, six days a week, eight, ten hours a day, mornings, evenings, you know. But you just use so much of your good energy at work, and um, it's necessary. I'm a blue-collar guy, and I've got to pay bills, and, um, you know, I provide a good life for my family that I take pride in, and it's a good thing. It's just as I get myself to a good position or a better position, um, you know, I, I need to value time over um, money. So it's like uh, just need to make sure I've got time to, to go do these fly fishing adventures, to go do my bow hunting. So when it's September, the only thing I'm thinking about is trying to kill an elk. So when it's November, the only thing I'm thinking about is trying to kill a mule deer. And, you know, I've been a weekend warrior for years and, and paid my dues that way. And so, you know, I've had some good seasons now where I've been able to have good time. And um, I, I just want to continue down that path to make sure I set myself up for success during season and set myself up to have some fun. The fall just comes and goes so quick. It's just like a snap of the fingers. And, um, you know, I, I've got to be there for my family. I've got to get things done at work. But um, I've, I've also got to soothe this soul and uh, go find adventure and have time on my side and not be thinking about a million different things, which I've done a good job of, like um, being in the moment and, and um, you know, fairly stress-free when I'm, when I'm on the hunt and in the moment I'm bow hunting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, elk season, I was just limited on time, so I had this Idaho, this new tag. Uh, I had I'd been in the unit before. My buddy Dan, uh, we hunted it. Um, like mule deer season one year I'd killed a muley buck in the high country and went down and I kind of scouted this unit for mule deer so we went down there with Dan and um, you know we found some smaller bucks but what we found is a, a handful of bulls working around and Dan got a tag and we were really close chasing a couple six points there towards the end of the hunt and so I kept that in the back of my head and then this year I I, um, I couldn't get the tag I wanted um, with the the Idaho uh, tag deal they did um so i i ended up in this new unit which you know eight hundred dollars is a lot to spend for a tag and and to really to only give it a handful of days um you know it's it's just it wasn't my plan for season but it's what i had this year i had to take care of responsibilities and i you know i know montana and i've got really good bow hunting in montana so um you know i was i was limited amount of time but i gave it a few days i saw some elk i saw um, decent bull that I went for. It was a, a, a big adventure go at night, you know, walking back with the headlamp long ways over there. And, um, he didn't show up or, or gave me the slip and, um, just not a lot of elk in that unit, not a lot of action, hot and dry this year. The drought, um, had hurt the feet in there and, and, uh, really it came down to, to just not having enough time. And in the, the limited amount of time that I had, I just couldn't create an opportunity, and so then I'm off to Montana, and uh, looking forward to to um, you know uh, my Montana elk hunt. And um, really, what it made me realize too is that uh, 
you know, I, I spent so much of my time hunting mule deer in, in Nevada and Colorado. And, you know, I took a, a bunch of time to hunt them and, and hunted them all the way into early September. And um, so, so you know, I burned a lot of my time hunting mule deer. But it, it just reminded me that, um, you know, public land elk are tough. Public land bulls and then trying to kill a mature six-point, you need time on your side. Uh, a lot of days or a lot of years, you know, I'll have 20 days into elk season. So uh, it just made me realize as I come into a tough elk hunting season, and, and I've had great success the last couple of years where, you know, I've killed two bulls a year, and they, they've they all been good trophy six-point bulls. And so, you know, not that I think it's going to be easy, but I think, oh, I'll, I'll go over, I'll take a week here in, in uh, early October or a week in late September and I'll go over and I'll go find a bull and I'll go kill him. And it's just not that easy. Like it's, it's a grind to kill a, a public land bull, you know? And so, um, again, I need time on my side, but I also need to put more emphasis and, and effort on elk. Like I'm kind of, um, I'm almost like uh, uh, resting on my laurels. Like I'm almost just resting on my previous knowledge, and you know I can get it done in this this window of time because I have for the last handful of years or ten years or whatever. And so, um, I I just it reminds me that I need to put more effort into elk. I need to be hunting them early September, all the way through mid September, late September into October. Uh, you know, and and I like you know, it's my home state. And so I don't have to choose all my time in one window, one 10 day window. You know, I can take a a Friday and a Monday or Thursday and a Friday and I can go do these four to five day assaults. And what that does is it gives me different portions of of the season where things change. And so, you know, I rolled to one of my favorite elk hunting spots and, um, the feed had just burned off. I think I was telling you guys about it, but the feed had burned off. And so the elk were in the fields and so playing a lot of private public, but you know, I got some good action. My buddy Sean killed a good bull and, um, it, it was good elk hunting. Um, well, it wasn't, it was tough elk hunting. That's what it was. It was, uh, like, a just like beating my head against the wall, trying to just cover this country, looking for these elk that, that didn't want to be there because it was such a drought year and they were on the edge of the fields and then started playing the private public game, which gets really frustrating. Um, but you just keep playing the game and it's not quite the way to kill a big one either. You know, it's like maybe a satellite six point will, um, make a mistake and come out of the herd but really to get the whole herd or to get the big one to make a mistake uh, they kind of know their borders and know where they're at but I did get some action and um you know I probably should have headed back in there but um you know after giving it a long week and seeing what the elk conditions are um you know I um um headed back to to my home valley, headed back to the mountains that I know so well that I've been here for 20 years hunting horns and hunting bulls and things and um, figure I'm, I'm going to give it going to give a hill around here and um, hunt uh, during these conditions. And uh, so I came back. Uh, my buddy Dan ended up going back out there and he said a lot of the elk had left the fields and uh, were running canyons and coolies and he had some good action over there chasing bugles, you know, said it was tough to tough to locate them but it just reminds me that I you know to take all my time in one window now you don't know what you're going to get and if you can go back and like I got a six-week season here in Montana so if I can keep going back and giving it four or five days four or five days here or there and 
and, and I like mixing it up. It's really nice that with a special tag in Montana or a general tag that I can hunt so many units and um, a lot of elk hunting is timing. And so just reminds me that I have to continue to work if I want to fill these tags uh, consistently and, and fill them with good bulls. Like I like chasing big six points. I've been hunting elk a long time and um, that's what gets me excited. And so that's what I like to chase. And um, for me, it's either a, a big six or nothing. You know, I, um, I usually get enough meat for the freezer and get us through winter. And, um, so that's not really a concern for me. And so, uh, really for me, like, and, and I do, I absolutely love elk meat and I, I love, you know, I give some away to family and friends and then elk really do make the difference for me and my family making it through winter on wild game. Like I haven't had to buy meat for, and, 10, 15 years or whatever, which I'm really proud of. I mean, we had elk steaks last night that were just uh, amazing. So I, I love the wild game. Don't get me wrong. I just, I keep a pretty full freezer, you know, I killed a Nevada buck. I killed a, a three axis deer, uh, killed a bear, killed an antelope, uh, you know, so I could make it through season. Um, but uh, my point is, is that, um, you know, it's it, for me, it's big six or nothing. Like those are the ones that get me excited. Um, so, you know, more effort into it, but I came back, started hunting my own valley. And, and the nice thing about my own valley is I do have time on my side that even though I need to get work done, like during the week is I can glass mornings and I can glass evenings. And so, you know, there's a time elk season to, to be bombing into all these places and, and, um, you know, you, what you do like, uh, uh, to kill an elk, you have to be into elk. Like that's one of the, the major challenges with them. And so like, you've got to find elk and they're not spread out all over the landscape. Like they like certain areas and they, they work like this, this, this network of country. They're nomadic. They, you know, you could walk into the best elk spot in the world and you could be two days late and the elk are all, all, all out of there. There isn't any bulls in there. Isn't any elk in there. Um, or two days before they show up. They just work such a network of country and they're such nomads that you have to have really good elk spots and then you have to go heat check these spots. You have to go hike in. You have to go grab a vantage point. You have to go listen and see if you can hear bugles. Uh, all the time you're looking for tracks and looking for sign and looking for rubs. So, um, you know, there's there's doing that. And then there's also... There's, there's a lot of glassing that can be done from afar. It's amazing how far you can see an elk from. I mean, you can see an elk from 10 miles. And as we start to get weather later in the season, that starts moving these elk around and moving them, you know, to lower elevations where they can be spotted. And so, you know, a lot of my elk knowledge too comes from, you know, uh, driving to different locations and glassing and, and elk is all about glassing at the right times. And so when I can add these mornings and evenings, and be glassing for elk, trying to find the elk. And then once I can find them, then I can go hunt them, and then I'm in them. So, you know, it's sitting behind my glass morning and night. It's getting my work done throughout the day. It, it's really a good mix for me, you know. It's a, a, a real advantage to live where uh, I can elk hunt, where we have good numbers and good bulls. And so um, I just started running around and started glassing mornings and nights, and then started taking days here and there. If I had a free Thursday, I was going elk hunting. If I uh, had a free weekend, I was going elk hunting. And, um, and and when I did have the days to go in, I would know where the elk were because I'd been glassing. I'd know where I'd seen elk, and I'd go bomb in there and go elk hunting. So 
um, I was really putting on a bunch of miles. You know, it sounds like kind of a, a lazy approach to it, but it, it's just a smart approach to it. It's just this mix of finding these elk before I bomb into these places, knowing where the elk are. And, and, and with 20 years experience, like when you hunt a spot over and over and over, like you, you get to learn things. When you hunt horns in the places, when you glass all the time, you get to know where the elk are and what they're doing. And not only that, but you start to figure out what elevation you're seeing elk, what features they're on, where the elk are coming to. And then I can transpose that information to different places in the valley and I can go bomb into this place. And sure enough, there's elk there because they're supposed to be there because of my knowledge base and knowing this valley. And so um, I started bombing in and I was putting on good miles. Um, there's one day I put on uh, close to 4,000 vert and um, double digit miles and uh, mountain miles are tough. Like it reminds me why I train so hard. And, you know, again, I'm in the middle of mule deer season right now. And, um, we did over 30 miles, uh, in, in two and a half days. Um, and, and I was back running yesterday, even I don't have any joint pain or anything, but you know, my knees could feel it. Not only was it 30 miles, 30 miles with, a with my backpack, you know, with my camp on my back with a 40 pound pack or 35 pound pack or whatever it is. Um, so a lot of miles, a lot of elevation, but I'm back on the trails, you know, yesterday running and not that I absolutely went for it as kind of a slower pace and just, it was just getting out and getting it, you know, it's just like day in, day out. But, uh, hunting these mountains just reminds me like what kind of shape you got to be in. Like you can't be in good enough shape, but, um, you know, I'd, I'd gone through the early seasons and had some big hunts and all my trainings throughout the years was paying off and putting in, you know, good, good effort in the mountains chasing these elk. And, um, yeah, the deal is, is sometimes it can just be hard to find a big six point. Uh, for every big six point, there's a lot of fives and small sixes. And so, you know, bombing into these places and not really seeing a shooter bowl. And I, I was having a tough time locating a big bowl. Finally, I found one and um, able to hunt them for a couple days up in these features. And then we had a, a big mega snowstorm that was going to come in. And uh, it was a mega October snowstorm where it snowed feet in the mountains. I mean, it dumped. Uh, dumped, got cold, uh, snowed a foot in the valley. In fact, the one day I was out with glassing. And, um, you know, out in this country, you know, it's um, it's the snowdrifts that get you. And so um, I was in my in my truck. I had a, a buddy, Ryan, that came down, hunted with me for a um, handful of days or whatever. He was trying to get it done. And so uh, we went out glassing that morning after the storm because everything kind of resets after the storm. It had moved things around. And I had a good idea where the elk were and was hunting them hard. But after that big snowstorm, I knew things were going to change and things were going to move around. So went out glassing that morning to kind of figure out and, again, just find those elk and then I can go hunt them. And, um, so we saw some elk for sure. Um, nothing in a real go spot or anything and just getting a feel for it. So I'm driving around and the front side of the loop is pretty good. And this loop will come back out on the highway. And so, um, driving the, the back side of the loop and the snow's getting pretty deep and you go through this one draw and then it gets pretty deep and I come into this corner and it just, it poofs all this white snow and my, all I can see is white. Like, uh, all of a sudden, um, and, and I'm just on the gas and I'm counter steering back and forth, trying to keep it straight. And all of a sudden the truck comes to a stop and I'm buried. So, you know, 
super cold out. I don't know what it was, 20 degrees or something like that, and uh, blowing like crazy. I'm sure the wind chills below zero and blowing snow and storming, and uh, we're out there shoveling, and it's like uh, just Montana. It's just the way it goes. You know, it's not the first snow drift I've been stuck in, and to dig out the whole bottom side of the truck and um, get it dug out, and then you're just trying to, trying to get my momentum going, and I want to back out and turn around and go the way I came because I know I can make it. But my momentum, when the truck starts to move, carries me forward, carries me through the drift. And so I make it through the drift. It's just blowing in, like, as soon as I get out of it. So I look back, and it's like, man, I'm going to bury myself back in that corner again. I'll just go out to the highway this way. And so uh, we start bombing through, and it's drifty. Like, I'm pushing drifts, and I'm counter-steering, and I'm back and forth. But now I'm committed. There's no place to turn around. And it's it's miles adrift. Like, it's crazy how deep it is. And all of a sudden, I can see this. I can see something up just off the edge of the road up ahead. I'm like, is that a fence? What is that? And I'm just screaming. The truck's all revved up. And I'm counter-steering back and forth and trying to, like, in these snowdrifts, you really have to keep your momentum. And so... I'm just going back and forth, and as I get closer, it's this truck that is buried up over the hood of the truck with the snow dr- in the snowdrift, and they had slid off into the ditch, and nobody around. Like uh, I would always stop and help somebody in Montana, but there's nobody around, so I went screaming by that truck, trying not to sideswipe it, trying to get back out to the highway. And all of a sudden, the, the snowdrift is just so deep, and I'm losing momentum and trying to keep it straight, and all of a sudden, I'm stuck again, and I'm buried. And there is no turnaround. There's no going back by that truck. I've been through miles of snowdrift, and and it's a half a mile to the highway. Like, I am in a bad spot. So, uh, you know, you just get out, just start digging, start assessing the situation, you know. Um, and, and it's... It's a good lesson too, like um, to always be prepared. And in Montana, you just always have snow shovels in your truck. Actually, to tell you the truth, I did not have my snow shovel in my truck, but I did have my standard construction shovel. I always have a shovel in there, but I should have had both shovels. I've got this bomber snow shovel in there, and I just forgot to throw it in. I I threw it in the next day, but I did have one uh, standard construction shovel. But um, my point is here is to to always be prepared. I'd filled up my gas that morning, you know, knowing that it was going to be snowy conditions, and you can't run out of gas, and you're you'll burn a ton in these snowdrifts and things, and. Um, so we got out, started digging, tried to get momentum and truck just won't move very far. So, um, had to dig out the back tires and then chain that thing up and, um, dig it out some more. And then finally able to, to grip and get some momentum and just rallied out to the highway. And so, uh, able to get my truck out anyways, but, uh, always, a always a challenge. It was a couple hours of digging and, and messing around, but, um, you know, this snow can be good around the valley. It can also push a lot of these elk down to private. So that big bull I'd found that I was hunting, and um, I really had him pattern and felt like I was going to kill that big six-point uh, if I just caught him in the right spot. You know, just catch him in the right meadow, bedded in the right spot. Because he's, he's on these weird timbered ridgelines that you kind of have to still hunt, but there's a couple meadows in there. And so if I could just see him in one of these meadows and see where he beds, you know, maybe I could set up for the evening. Or So I was just playing the game with him, and then this snowstorm kicked him down to private. Nothing I can do, sit there and watch him on private. And it's like, well, that isn't going to work. And it pushed a lot of elk down on private. And it can be frustrating, again, playing this private public game and thinking all these elk are down 
you know, where I can't get to them, but it's not the case. You know, there's tons of elk in the mountains and um, there's tons of places where they do come out where you can hunt them. And um, also some of these elk will stay high. And so, you know, I just, I, I've been around this valley enough to know that I can't get frustrated, even though I can see a bunch of elk on private, that there's other elk around. And so um, just started playing the game. And um, again, knowledge base, like I know when these winter storms come up, come in, where these elk are going to show up at. And uh, so I keep looking at these spots and keep hunting and, um, you know, it, it, um, it, it wasn't like the, the, the day the kind of storm broke where you think you you expect to see a bunch. I didn't see too many. And, um, we saw some elk that, that, um, were, were close to pl- public or crossing public. And so set Ryan up on those and, and, um, you know, I was just going to keep looking and, keep trying to find the the batch I wanted the other thing with the snow is you can glass tracks and so you know if the sunshine gets on the hillside you can see feeding features you can see where elk are without having to be there at first light last light so you can cover more country and so um you know I just um run on my same program and if there was ever a time to call an audible if there was ever a time to um you know, miss work and go hunt. This is the time, the big mega storm here. And so, uh, thankfully I got good guys that work hard and, um, you know, I was able to keep tabs on things throughout the middle of the day and still make some phone calls on things and handle some things. But, you know, it's also a winter storm out with a foot of snow and, um, below zero and wind blowing. And, um, you know, guys work through a lot of it, you know, got a little bit of, I don't, I don't even think I had any inside work. I do have some inside work for winter, so it was pretty much all exterior, and I think they took off a day, and then um, other than that, uh, worked away, but um, they could make do without me. Tough for me to be gone for a week, but easy for me to be gone for a day. So, um, you know, this was my, my all-in time. I just kept behind my glass, kept trying to find these things and find some elk I could hunt and uh, also try to find a good six-point that I wanted to kill, and so... Uh, bombing around in this deep snow, um, you know, chasing these elk. And um, finally, uh, wasn't the day the storm break, it was kind of the next day, um, set Ryan up on those elk. And um, I was going to go cruising glass, and I found a great big bull on a feature. And it was like, man, can I get to him? And it was like I couldn't get to him in the morning um, where he was at. It was almost like, um, you know, it was it was almost like an evening spot. And, um, you know, where I'd, where, you know, in, in the morning they were so spread out. And by the time I got up there in a foot, a foot and a half of snow, it was going to be two hours later. And, um, so, so I just figured like, okay, I know where a good one's at. Uh, nobody's hunting them. You know, I'll go in tonight and I'll go hunt that bull and, uh, hopefully be able to catch up to him and get a play, get a stock and uh, maybe get a good arrow in them. And so that was kind of my play for the the evening. But, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in a spot and I'm hunting. And so like, uh, just, just better keep looking around. And so, um, gosh, and then I, I glass up just the, um, the mega herd, like they had piled out of the mountains. They had showed up on the spot. I expected to sh- them to show up. It was just like a day later. Um, and, uh, nobody's hunting them and, and, um, I throw my glass up, I throw my spotting scope up and, uh, instantly I, I see a, a handful of shooters and, and to me, a shooter is a big six point and there's a handful of them in there that I just saw at first glance and it was like, man, I gotta go. 
And um, I definitely had like a few miles in deep snow to kind of get over to them. Um, but it's a big enough herd. They're bugling and rutting. I mean, here it is uh, below zero with the wind chill and these elk are bugling and rutting. And what they do, like the, the rut wanes in October for sure. But the elk start grouping up in these big groups. And then out of those big groups, out of 100 cows, you know, one of those cows will come into second cycle estrus. Like if they don't get bred the first time around in September, they come back in in October. And so you get this big of a group together and some of these cows will come in back into estrus. And not only that, but there's a bunch of bulls in there. And so then these bulls have competition for that one, two, three cows that come back into estrus. And so, you know, they'll continue to rut and continue to rut hard. Now, if, if I was to find a smaller group with a bull in it, he doesn't have much competition. And uh, maybe those, those cows aren't coming into estrus. And so he, won't, he doesn't have to bugle as much. But in this big herd, they were rutting like crazy. They were bugling and carrying on. And it's, it's super snowy and cold. There's a foot and a half of snow and bitter cold and these elk have to feed and so they were out that morning and so I had some miles to cover in the deep snow and I just started pushing it you know sweat coming down my brim and uh, bow in hand and started cruising these miles trying to get into this big party of elk like this this is the party I wait all year for you get into a party like this you got a good chance to kill a bull and uh, so I covered the miles quick and they were still just milling around and so I started playing the game and there's this giant six by seven that was in the herd and uh, I was really chasing him at first but you know there's there's so many good six points in this group uh, you know there's a handful of bulls that I'll shoot in there and just need to get the chance and uh, so I start tailing the herd and um, I'm just keeping that element of surprise. Like I'm, I'm working these elk, but I'm making sure that I don't spook anything. And I was taking one approach at this six by seven and getting ready to cut them off and coming through these willows. And I came to the other side of the willows and there's a cow and calf like right there, 20 yards. It's like, I'm just stuck, you know, or start moving in and, and there's two bulls working up the mountain or there's a five point above me. And so I just have to freeze and just let them keep moving on and just know that the most important thing here is to keep the element of surprise, that I can hunt these elk all day long. There's nobody else on them. It's just me versus these elk. As long as I don't let them know that I'm after them, like I got a chance. I just got this great wind in my face, and I'm just playing the game. I'm playing the elk, elk game. This is what I've been waiting for all season long. Like I had some chances and close calls and got into elk, but here it is, the bull I want to shoot bulls I want to shoot and uh, I'm just playing the game and uh, so I'm tailing them and uh, freezing here and there and they're rutting I mean just more bugles you know 300 bugles that morning 500 bugles that morning they're just going nuts you know it's it's such action it's so exhilarating it's uh, um, and, and really like you know, I, I, I talk about bow hunting and my love for it. And um, what I'm what I'm really chasing or chasing the dragon for me is uh, the action. I love having action. I love getting a stock, getting a play. And over the years, you know, I've realized that, that the harder I work at it, um, you, you know, the the more action I can get, the more action I can create. And it's why I build all these skill sets of locating elk and and uh, uh, finding elk and and my spot and stock skills and and my shooting skills. But I really I I, I hone, you know, my e-scouting, all of these 
skill sets that I work on make me a better elk hunter to hopefully give me these encounters, these close calls, this action. I love being able to make a stock and make a play. To me, it feels like what all the hard work's for. It, it feels like even if I have to drive halfway across the country, if I get into them and I get a chance, like that makes the trip for me. Uh, I love that excitement. I love being able to make a play. And there's a hundred right decisions you have to make in those encounters. And you really, like, I really rely upon my instincts to to move in and, like, freezing with those cows or freezing with that five-point bull above me or chasing the herd but not pushing it too far, waiting till they get to the right spot. Like, I'm just, I'm shadowing the herd. I'm coyoting the herd. And this is my... um. My favorite tactic for these elk is just to shadow this herd and, and just wait. And so I'm shadowing this herd and waiting for them to get to a right spot and making plays. And I mean, I'm I'm playing on them for, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half. You know, I'm playing the game in there and, and uh, it's so exciting and so many good bulls that I'll shoot. Um, you know, I'm pumped. This is the reason why I bow hunt and I am in it. Big, massive snowstorm. Uh, it's snowing in the morning like uh uh, you know, it reminds me, you know, I cut my teeth or I, I hunted a lot when I first started elk hunting. Um, you know, I would hunt with a bow and hunt with a rifle and I learned an immense amount about elk and elk behavior and elk hunting, hunting late season with a rifle and also gained a, a, a lot of toughness from it. You have to hunt in the cold. It's a different kind of toughness. Um, you got to keep warm. And then during rifle season, man, this, the rifle guys, they go hard. You know, you got a rifle in your hands and guys want to kill an elk and there's a lot of general rifle guys and man, they go hard as all get out covering miles and uh, getting into places. And so it's almost like during rifle season, you have to put more effort in a and not more effort, but you know, well, I mean, yeah, I, uh, uh, there's just different challenges that come along with the season. Um, you know, also during general rifle, like, um, uh, uh, the elk tighten up their program and you have to keep mentally sharp. Like, um, you spend a lot of time looking for a bull, um, and, and day in, day out, you just have to continue to put forth this effort. So I learned a ton from hunting late season elk with my rifle, um, taught me a bunch of lessons that I use today. And I just got to the point where I started to get really effective with my bow and, and the deal was, is I'd kill a big bull with my rifle and go, gosh, I really wish I'd kill one like this with my bow. And it's like, well, the only way I'm going to do that and, and kill a, a big bull with my bow is to put all my effort into it. And that's when I started to transition to this bow only. And, and really, you know, I, I love hunting elk with my bow. I just, um, I fell in love with archery hunting and bow hunting and getting close and the challenge of it. And um, when something's so challenging, you have to work harder at it. And so, um, you know, eventually I got to the place where um, I could be consistently successful with my bow. And if I really wanted to kill these big bulls with my bow, you know, I had to put the effort into it. I had to take all my time during archery season and, and, and not mess with rifle season. Now, that's not right for everybody. Everybody's got to make their own decision. And, and a lot of these guys that hunt with multi-weapon are really smart and really great hunters. They're great bow hunters. They're great rifle hunters. They're taking every advantage they can to try to kill a good bull. And, and also, the more time you spend in the field, uh, the more you're going to learn, the better elk hunter you're going to be. So hunting these late seasons is good. But for me and my own journey, we all have to make our own decisions. Uh, for me, I just fell in love with that bow and working hard at it and uh, getting close and, and and the challenge of it. And so, you know, that's when I committed to, you know, I'm either going to kill these bulls with a bow or I'm 
not going to kill him. I'd, and I'd also progressed my skill set to a point where that was feasible year in, year out to kill a bull with my bow, to kill bucks with my bow. Like I, I was I was good enough to make that transition and still provide the meat for my family and still be successful. And I just knew I could do it. And so for me, the, the decision was right because I always stayed in a bow hunter's mindset. I always see an elk and how do I get into bow range? How do I get 50 yards? How do I get the wind right? It, it seems like with the rifle, I could get a little bit sloppy with my wind. I could get a little bit sloppier with my stocks. And if I always keep in this bow hunter mindset, um, I'm, I'm also, it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to gain a ton of experience. I'm not going to be successful all the time, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to get all this experience trying to bow hunt them, but so, so getting all this bow hunting experience, then when it came to, to early season high country mule deer, you know, I, I had, you know, I've got a bunch more days than everybody else bow hunting. I had progressed these bow hunting skills that give me a better chance at killing a 200 inch or killing a great big buck. When it came to, to, to elk bow season, I have a ton of experience. I've progressed my bow hunting skill to where I have a better chance at success than most guys because I've bow hunted more days. I've failed more than most guys. I've seen more scenarios. And so for me, the, the goal was to just really start progressing my bow hunting skill set. Um, so, so that's what I did on these, these elk. It's just using these bow hunting skills that I, I have used over the years, but this late season reminded me of like that late rifle elk and that toughness it takes and hunting them in the deep snow. And uh, I've always wanted, uh, a snowball. My buddy Robin, we killed one, um, it's, it's been a few years now, but killed a really big six point during one of these snowstorms. And I was right by his side as he arrowed it at 40 yards. And it was just this, this incredible six point. It was Robin's first bull he had killed. And to be part of that was amazing. But, you know, deep down, I'd always wanted a, a, a snowball, like in a, um, you know, and I've killed deep snowballs with my rifle, but never really with my bow. And, um, here's my chance playing the game and I'm coyote and in shadow in this herd and I'm waiting for my opportunity and all of a sudden this you know um the the elk start to go over this rise and I'm working through this these sparse trees and and now's my time to try to catch up to the herd and so you know I'm working and working hard in the deep snow and and trying to make my way to this ridge and also keeping my eyes open to make sure I don't bump into any elk and all of a sudden I catch this elk above me and it's um, two bulls and they're leaving the herd and a lot of times these bulls will leave the herd and and uh, only get with them morning and night and uh, the one six point is a good one big and heavy dark horns dark tines and he's up above me and he's cutting back to my right and so I duck over the ridge and it's it's now or never time it's like man it's a shooter bull I want to shoot and he's cutting back right and I have a chance to cut this bull off so um you know I I, I start scrambling up and up, you know, I've got this ridge in between us now. He's coming up above me and he's going to cross and it's just all I'm worth. It's all those running miles. It's that peak physical fitness. It's, um, you know, it's, it's knowing that I can get to a spot and man, I am just going, um, you know, a ridge in between us. So everything's hidden. Noel can see me and I am pushing uphill for all I am worth. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if it's a jog in the snow, but it's definitely as fast as I can hike straight up this hill to cut off this bowl. And um, I'm I'm pushing it and uh, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, looking above me, looking above me for him to show up. And uh, I'm just driving hard up the hill. And um, as I drive hard up that hill, all of a sudden here he comes and that bull comes across and 
able to get a good range on him. He's like 60 yards or 62 yards, something like that. And uh, comes across and, man, um, pull back my bow and, uh, again, execution. You know, and I've been walking around all season thinking about my execution and come to full draw and, and um, go through my progression and my steps and put that pin where I want it and don't punch it off. I pull, you know, here we go. Pull, 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 shot breaks. And, man, I mean, it, it X'd him. Hit him absolutely perfect. Um, couldn't have walked up and placed that arrow any better in him. Um, 12 ring, but, um, well, I hit him in the 12 ring, uh, runs off. He's bleeding really good and, um, runs over the hill. I'm just thinking, man, I did it. I can't believe it. This tough of a season late into October. And I just arrowed a great bull. But, um, as we all know, it's, you know, it's not over till it's over and you got to recover that elk. And so I gave him, you know, um, really of his minimal amount of time, I, I probably should have given him. 45 I gave him a good 30 minutes went up and caught blood and good blood in the snow and started tracking him down and I should get over there and I'd, I'd jump him out of his bed like 100 yards over and um you know the deal is is the arrow went in the perfect place and it must have angled up like he must have rolled at the shot or slightly quartering away where it went in tight behind the front shoulder and uh went forward in him but you know the reality is I just jumped him and so um, you know, it's cold as all get out, but um, I just need to give him some more time. He's going to die. didn't make it far. Um, you know, you you always hope or wish that, you know, you want to make the, the cleanest, fastest kill you can. But, um, you know, sometimes you're just faced with the conditions. And I hit the spot I was aiming for. And, you know, who knows that that arrow just took a weird angle through him or something. But um, it went down, a, a, gave him some time and then went and recovered him. He'd went down in some thick stuff and, and, um, died down in there and, and, um, able to recover him and just this great dark horned Madison six point, you know, it's like in my, in my home range using my knowledge, it's been a long season. Um, you know, probably hunted like, um, I was 15 to 20 days or so of hunting and, um, man, I did it. Um, closed on a, a, a really great bowl, man. It's um, it's unreal. Like, uh, try not to to tie uh, you know, everything into success, but it sure feels good when you place a perfect arrow in a bowl and and um, kill him like that. Good six point. So yeah, I'd worked him over and um, got him packed out. Uh, met up with my buddy Ryan. He gave me uh, help with the last load out of there. But yeah, able to butcher these bulls by myself. Um, I just love it, man. I, I love bow hunting. I love bow hunting elk. Um, to have it all come together in the end, and you know, I would have enjoyed my season either way. And I love the process, but um, man, does that feel good when it comes together? It it um, feels like magic sometimes. You know, it's like you just keep putting forth effort, and then eventually you're presented with an opportunity, and and then capitalize on it. Just so amazing, man. So amazing. So. Work that that bowl. Um, I've got this way that I that I work them, and you kind of take pictures of bulls where they end up. So the pictures are in that that willow patch down in there that he died in. Um, but start working them, and what I do is I work one side, and so I skin them, and I actually skin from the legs up. I've seen some guys do it where they make a cut on the back. I actually make my cut on the belly, 
and then up the inside of the legs and then um, I skin one whole side of them and get the hide flopped over. Front quarter's easy. Uh, just pull that leg up and there's just like um, uh, sinew or there's just like skin where you just start cutting that quarter off and you can get that quarter all the way off. And boy, how nice is it to butcher in the snow? All of a sudden I'm not setting all the meat on game bags and things. And I, I think I start packing like a small visqueen with me to set the meat on. But game bags work okay for me and uh, usually set the meat on that. But with snow, you just set them in the snow. It's just great. And then uh, work the hind quarter off, start pushing the hind quarter. And basically, I work the, the back of the hind quarter and find that bone and kind of carve my way around it, work my way up to the socket. I cut the socket, and I don't get in front of the socket until the socket's cut. Because once you get in front, you hit this big artery that'll splash blood everywhere, and then it makes it tough to find that socket. Um, but yeah, basically work the socket and then just follow it all the way down that bone, take that back quarter off. And um, then I take that back strap off, and then I go in and get the tenderloin, the bonus, boneless method, uh, where I just start back and I start cutting like under the, um, be like under the hip, under the the spine and the ribs, under where that back strap is. Start separating that, cut it away from the stomach, get my tenderloins, and then once I work one side, you know, and I bone out all my meat too, um, you know, just elk bones are so heavy that I get it in the snow, bone it out, get it in, um, in, uh, game bags. And then, um, and then once I work one side, I fought trying to roll these things over by myself. But what I do then is I take off the head. That way those six point horns aren't trying to catch in the dirt and trying to flip over his head. It makes it just so much easier. So get the head off and then, um, and then I'm able to clean and press the two legs and get them pushed over, skin the other side, repeat the process. And, uh, it's a labor of love. I'd love elk meat. Um, in fact, you know, just had steaks last night. But, um, yeah, it's um, so much good organic protein. You know, it's just the, the the best meat on the planet. You know, so fortunate to to have elk meat again this year and um, get that bull taken care of. Ryan helps me uh, make the last load out, and he had got into some good elk action that day. I was psyched to see that. And, um, yeah, bull down. Um, mission accomplished. Great bull, great six point down this season. Man, it's just amazing. Just amazing. So, um, yeah, wrap that up. I mean, riding a high from that deal. Got my snow bull. Great six point I'm super psyched with, and it came together. But it just, you know, it just makes me realize that, um, you know, I need to keep putting forth effort into elk season. I need to keep putting forth effort into my bow hunting skills. You know, I'd, I almost had that giant Colorado buck, and then, you know, did kill a good bull, killed a good Nevada buck. Like I've, I've had a phenomenal season for sure, but, um, you know, I, I can't rest on my laurels. I can't rest on my elk knowledge and think I'm going to repeat it next year without a ton of work. I got to continue to improve and I need to, uh, uh, continue to improve my life as well. And, and, um, you know, making sure I'm spending quality family time. You know, I've got so much support for my family during hunting season and, um, it's just due to, to me, you know, being a good husband, being a good father, doing everything I need to do to make sure I can get the time and also need to structure that work just a little bit different. There's a ton of houses around and good clients, and I'm really fortunate to be able to make a living here and have the work. Uh, but I just need to structure it a little bit different and, um, you know, just make sure I don't have three homes going during hunting season. Like, that's ridiculous. I can keep my guys busy with one home, you know, make less money and have less stress and have more time. 
so I need to keep structure in my life that way. And, and, um, and also I just need to work hard in the off season, man. I mean, you know, 15 to 20 days hunting elk. I mean, all these mountain miles, all this effort, like, um, man, you got to be in good physical shape and, um, and also be good at locating elk, be making sure I'm doing the e-scouting, all those little things, all those things I talk about year in, year out, like, like, um, you know, success on a, a bull elk in Montana or success on elk, I think is 6% with a bow during general season. might even be 4% for a bull or something. Um, 6%, that's one bull every 20 years. Like, um, you know, I just don't accept that. I want to kill a good six point every year. So, you know, if that's the case, I'm going to have to put in more worth than 95% of the people out there. You know, it's like, um, so I just need to continue to put in the work and then, um, uh, make sure I'm hunting elk throughout the season to give myself the best chance at it. And I, you know, I may not kill a big six point next year. It's just the way it is. It's just bow hunting, you know, but, uh, I know that I'm going to put maximum effort here in the off season, maximum effort come season. I'm going to structure my life towards elk season. Like, um, you know, I wouldn't bet against me. Let's just put it that way. You know, it's like, uh, I'm going to put in the work to be successful again next year. Um, but man, what, what an amazing season. And so finish up elk season, back to work, getting some things done. And then, um, into late season muleys, um, still fortunate still got a couple tags in my pocket so i've got a montana montana general season general rifle opened up um, but they allow me to hunt with my bow during general rifle i just have to wear orange and um so you know it, it's hunting season i uh i'm gonna hunt so i i uh, had the weekend and um, actually took friday and then uh, went and bombed over into one of my favorite spots hooked up with my buddy dylan ness uh such a great guy such a great uh, bow hunter he killed a good bull this year uh in a general season he didn't draw the tag he wanted but uh he battled through it anyways and arrowed a good bull super proud of that guy and so fun to hang out with him i had so many good laughs and so um we bombed in and started hunting um muleys i have this spot that um takes a bunch of miles to get into it's it's um crazy miles but we've kind of found a spot where these bucks like to refuge before the rut um, and it's kind of like these bucks hidey hole. And so, you know, October hunting for mule deer is the toughest season to hunt them. Like they're in bachelor herds. And so, you know, say there's 10 bucks on the landscape. Now these 10 bucks aren't spread out throughout the landscape, rutting and moving by themselves. So you just don't see as many. They're batched up and they're in a bachelor herd. And so there may be 200 coolies and canyons and these 10 bucks are in one of them. And they're running a tight program where they're not showing themselves much. So, you know, it's a difficult time to year to time of year to hunt them. But I've located some of these spots where these bucks hang out, and that I know, you know, I'm going to bump into some bucks and and um, hopefully find them. So I went in with Dylan. You know, it's pre-rut. It's like it's October. You know, so they're no rutting sign yet. But um, start bombing in there, and you know, sure enough, we run into some bucks. First group of bucks, seven eight bucks hiding in a little basin, just like I'm talking about. And uh, we're actually hunting our way through, and um, I spot them before they spot us. And uh, they're about 160 yards away. And um, there's one buck in there with a big body. I'll post it on my my Instagram. I will post more on Instagram too. Gosh, I've been uh, I haven't been keeping up with it as like I should. Um, but I I will. I'll get better here. But I'll I'll post a picture up. But he's just got this big body, but his rack's not quite there. He's kind of like a tight four point, pretty narrow. 
I mean, his, his body looks like he's getting to be four or five years old, but just not quite there yet. He's the biggest one in the group, and so we both pass, and we keep hunting, and 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 basically, it's just a bonsai trip. I mean, I've got to drive Friday. I pick Dylan up at noon. We bomb in that night, hike till dark, and like I say, I think we did 30 miles and, you know, a half day, full day, half day, so, you know, what is that, two days of hunting or whatever. So um, covered a bunch of miles, which is so cool with the backpack on and camp on the back. It's just like it's um, that is the purest way to bow hunt. You know, it's so fun. We bomb in and um, good weather, so we think. And a lot of times during this good weather, we'll do what's called cowboying. Or I guess that's our term for it. I mean, it's not a I don't know if it's a real term, but basically we just. Uh, throw out our pads, throw out our sleeping bag, and we just sleep in the dirt, especially when it's dry out. And we'll do this out of the truck a bunch too, you know, sleep in a cot or whatever. And um, what it allows us is to be mobile. So we can load up all our stuff, whether it's load up all our stuff in our truck, or in this case, we're backpacking, but we can load up our camp on our back and continue to hunt back into country and just hunt with our with our pack on our back. The other thing it allows us to do is go super light. You lose the weight of a tent, but you just don't have all the setup and pickup, you know, and so you can make sure you're to the vantage points at the right time. And not that you can't do this with a, a tent or the bivy tent. And really, you know, that bivy tent is so easy. I should be bringing it everywhere I go. But a lot of times we cowboy. And so, um, you know, I've got a little bivy sack, but I've had it for 20 years. And uh, I put some more waterproofing on it. Um, but uh, let's just say it's. It's good for a sprinkle, not good for a rainstorm. But we looked at the forecast, and we got a dang good forecast. It's supposed to be just sunny and hot. And really, for late October, you know, it's, um, gosh, it's going to be 60 degrees and 40 degrees at night. Just really nice weather for covering country. Dry, no snow or anything, no rain. And so um, we rally in there, and we cowboy, and, um, you know, found those first bucks we passed. And then we get on this backside, and uh, um, looking at this spot where we just know bucks hang out and um, found a couple good ones in there. Um, nice, solid, big four points I'd be stoked to hunt with. And so we kind of hem-haw who's going who's gonna to make a player stock, and I'd love to have Dylan make a stock and kill one of these bucks. In fact, I own the stock, and, um, you know, kind of his goal for the season is a, a big next-level buck. And, um, you know, f- for me, these are these are good bucks, I you know, I think. You know, one's probably 160, the other one's probably 170, but they're older, big-bodied, great deep forks on both of them. One has eye guards, one's clean. And um, Yeah, Dylan gives me the stock on that big 170, and, man, we played it perfect. We we rally. It's a couple miles around these bucks, and then we've got this bench. We've got a good win, and then from the bench, he's laying there, and I should be able to shoot him. But I get to the bench, and I glass, and all I can see is his horns, and he's looking away from me. Perfect. He doesn't know we're there. And so I'm trying to get me and Dylan into position. Dylan's filming for me, by the way. So trying to capture this on film. And again, this is just goes back to filming and the added degree of difficulty of trying to have a cameraman, two guys, or solo film. It's so difficult. But, you know, that's, um, it's, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have the opportunity that I do. And, um, you know, and, and you can get two guys in, especially when they're two good hunters, you know. It's like, um, you know, you can totally do it. And so we close in. And I'm 30 yards from this buck. We make a perfect, quiet approach. And I'm standing, and I can see his horns looking away, but I can't see his head, his eyes, can't see his body. And um, 
so we're gonna have to wait for him to stand and um you know my mistake here is like I see the horns and I get pretty excited and um I'm gonna get us into position I whisper to Dylan and I'm gonna get a few more yards and get to my knees and then I'm gonna shoot this buck you know and so I get to my knees and I get set up and Dylan's behind me and Dylan you know he's got like he doesn't have the right vantage and he's looking through the camera viewfinder now what I should have done when I was standing there and I saw the horns is just be calm be cool he doesn't know we're there we've got a great wind we've got the element of surprise we've got everything we need and I should have whispered to Dylan hey pull up your binos and um pull up your binos and find him he's right in between those two trees right there and his horns and so that's what I should have done. What I did is I crawled a few yards, got to my knees, got a range, got my bow in front of me, and I'm ready to shoot this buck. Now, Dylan's behind me, but his perspective is different. He's lower than me, so he can't really see the horns of this buck. He just knows, he sees the excitement in my eyes and knows it's going to happen, and he's behind me, and he really wants to get the shot on film, you know? And um, so he kind of taps me on the shoulder and says, I can't see him, you know? And I, I say, okay, um... And so I'm trying to get him on him with the camera so he can see him. And I'm trying to have him, now I'm trying to have him pull up his binos and look at the buck. And I whispered to him, he's in between the two trees. Um, I whispered so light. And when I turned back around, that buck's staring right in my direction. Uh, he heard me whisper from 30 yards. I can't believe it. I was so quiet with that whisper. We've got a wind blowing in our face, wind whistling through the trees. But the only thing I can come up with is that he heard me whisper to Dylan, he's in between the two trees. Like he heard the tees. We joked about it later, you know, and it it wasn't Dylan's fault. You know, he definitely heard me whispering or whatever, but he's looking right at me. So now I have to get ready. And so... Um, now, you know, I'm ready. And as the buck, he's looking in my direction and I know something's going to happen. So as he starts to stand, I draw my bow and, um, you know, he, he, he stands. I just don't get time to loose an arrow. Like he stands and just bolts out of his bed. And, um, that's just the way it goes. Um, I gave up that element of surprise. He heard me whisper. So it just reminds me. And I whispered so quiet. And I held my I held my hand to my mouth so that um, my my hand is in between me and the buck, and I'm whispering so quiet. But you know, again, I'm 30 yards away, and uh, so that buck blew out of there. He was better than me that day. God, I just had him. But um, it's just bow hunting, just live and learn. You know, it was a great close encounter. Um, the smaller of the two went down there and paused and looked back and man, he was just a great chocolate horned eye guards. It's a great buck, you know, but, um, the bigger one gave us a slip, but, um, super cool, super cool close encounter. And really it's like opening day at rifle season. So it's, it's opening day for me. I'm going to get more chances. I'm going to get more time to hunt. Like, um, you know, it just is what it is, but, uh, you got to make good on those encounters and those chances that, that I get. But, um, that's just Bohan. So, um, you know, it definitely wasn't Dylan's fault. Thank, you know, what a great buddy. Give me the stock. What a great buddy to follow me around with the camera and try to film me. I mean, the stock took us forever. Like, it's a couple miles and all this elevation loss and gain. And um, like I say, we did 30 over a couple days. So, um, guy is tough as nails. And so I just can't thank him enough. It's not his fault. It was me whispering. And uh, just got to be better in those situations. 
um, I guess use hand signals or just like absolutely whisper in that guy's ear, you know, like, like, you know, it's a, it's a good learning lesson, especially as I'll have a cameraman again. And, um, just to make sure that I don't give up that element of surprise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to whisper in his ear as quiet as I could possibly be. But, um, so we kept hunting, kept covering miles and, um, uh, yeah, we made camp that night place i wanted to make camp and um yeah we um that night um it was overcast all day long and forecast was good and things but um we cowboyed out that night and it poured on us i don't know where that storm came from but it rained on us for four or five hours and um rained so hard and we're just in those bivy sacks and bivy sacks are great for warm weather for good weather uh they suck for storms and so you know i had water pouring from my bivy sack into my sleeping bag and you know it's just like anything laid out or anything exposed is getting wet and i, I don't i don't have like a bar in mine it's just a zipper so you got like the gore-tex right over your face and you can't breathe so i don't zip it up but then it was just rain was coming around all areas so it was a miserable night we eventually like about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or something woke up and built a fire and <laughs> kind of warmed up i mean i wasn't cold uh but everything was just getting damp and you know it's um i had that uh i had that song that kid rock song playing in my in, in my mind or in my head so you want to be a cowboy baby <laughs> you know just like it's so fun with a buddy where you're just laughing and making jokes and things and you know it it wasn't dangerous for Dylan and I you know we'd been in enough scenarios and it wasn't that cold either it's just it was just wet uh but you know you just have some really good laughs or whatever but yeah we woke up made a fire dried out um kind of found a better spot like underneath some trees a little bit more protected i don't know if it was a better spot because it still dripped on us all night from the trees but uh yeah i caught a few hours of sleep anyways and then um looked around that morning uh we passed a nice three point with a hook cheater on it just wasn't quite there a little bit young and um yeah bombed out of there and um back to work and um back resetting and um try to try to go out again and and uh, keep hunting these things the rut should be coming on uh we're just coming to the end of october here so um you know i've seen that rut start around november 1st or so november 5th is even a better date and um yeah just keep hunting muleys keep having fun keep going with my buddies and um, trying to capture some things on camera if i have success great if i don't you know it's not that it's not that big of a deal like um just enjoy the adventure and enjoy the experience. I've already had a great season, and so um, just try to get out as much as I can. And uh, I've got that tag, and then I've got another late season tag. And so, um, yeah, I just uh, continue to bow hunt in the snow and in the cold and um, rutting mule deer, which I absolutely love. So um, that's what I'm going to be up to anyways. Uh, every free chance I get, and I definitely got to get work done and responsibility. We're wrapping up one of these houses. Really need to get the clients in there and um got another one that we're gonna frame up and then it's only summertime access so we're gonna leave it for the season um we're about framed up there get the windows in get this place all dried in leave it for the season um get my stuff out of there and then we've got another one that we're framing up that we have wintertime access to so that'll kind of get me through the year and get me into springtime so that's why i've got three of them going and then um i do have some other smaller jobs just um wrapping up some concrete for my sister did some work for her built a garage and resided her place and um just kind of helping her out doing it for cost and then um 
yeah, I've got a client that I built a house for that's just a great client. And um, so we're going to do a garage for him and finish his basement this year, which will be great inside work. And so be able to, to work that in. And um, yeah, he's a great guy. He's been elk hunting like crazy too. And uh, it's kind of his, his first year here living in Montana. And um, he goes hard. He um, grabs good vantage points. He stays to the last light. He's doing all the right things. And had close encounters with the bull. Passed up a long shot on a bull that was 10 yards past his max. Like, really good discipline there. Um, but, yeah, just really happy for him. He was able to get into action and get into elk and um, really embrace the experience. And he's going to fit in really good with the community. But got to do a few things for him. And then... Um, yeah, take care of my responsibilities and um, keep enjoying life and being happy and make sure I'm there spending time with my family. Um, it was nice closing on that bowl. Um, I was able to take my family. Um, daughter's getting ready to go to college, and so we were able to go visit this college she's thinking about and go watch the volleyball game and spend the weekend with them, and so that worked out really good. And um, keep living life. Um, hope you guys are getting out, doing some hunting. Thought I'd get you guys an update here on on my season thus far and um man it's been fun so pumped with that bowl man so pumped it's um crazy when it comes together it does feel like like magic but just keep putting in the work and um success comes so i uh, hope you guys are having a good season and um I, I sure am enjoying everybody's social media and the kind messages and uh just really appreciate you guys and support on this podcast uh, allowing me to do this i mean i think we're into our sixth year now and um, just just keep trying to get you guys that good information and um, entertaining content. Like I know, you know, we're all just traveling so much on the road, um, you know, trying to get to these spots and get to these hunting areas. And so, you know, if I can entertain you along the way and maybe get you some insight or some tips and tactics that help you out just means the world to me. So um, thank you guys. Uh, appreciate you. And uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.